the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover three. Come on in, hang out, jump in the comments. We already got lots and lots of stats and facts about a certain wide receiver who may have his name called in the first round of the pass catchers draft. Uh, As again, we will be breaking down uh, wide receivers, tight ends, doing this draft style the same way we did for the quarterback draft on Monday. Tom Finelli, Bud Elliott, uh, Danny Cannell has a sealed envelope that I have not opened yet. Uh, I had to complete my own draft board. Uh, I'm going to be both Danny and Chip in this draft, and uh, and soon I will open it up when we get to uh, his turn in the draft. But before we get this thing going, uh, we wanted to uh, you know acknowledge there's been a ton of listener and viewer feedback to the quarterback draft, and uh, I think that you know we want to be able to have a chance to respond to that because there were some very good points made. There were some names that we didn't even mention by the end of the show that probably did deserve some consideration to be among the top 16 quarterbacks in college football headed into 2022. But uh, I want to start with, you know, Bud, you submitted your list to uh, producer Coca going into it. Uh, I think you did a a very good job of, of presenting your picks of going down the line, but I I wanted to say that, or at least see uh, after looking at the hall that you collected in that draft, of course, to review, you got Bryce young in the first round, Hendon hooker in the second, Virginia's Brennan Armstrong in the third and Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall in the fourth. Wanted to see uh, what you thought about your own haul and uh, uh, get a chance to begin this conversation of offering some feedback to the listeners and the viewers. You know, so I was, I was very happy with that haul. I, I got Bryce Young uh, with the number two pick in, in the draft. I mean, like Bryce Young was our number one player overall on 24-7 sports. I agreed with that at the time. I mean, I still think he's arguably the best QB in the country. Stroud probably has a little better physical tools, so I I, I had Stroud as my, as my number one on the list that I sent Coca, but I was extremely – I was really just hoping to get a top two pick, right? And uh, I know there's other guys who I think may have more physical talent than Young as well uh, with like, like Caleb Williams, right? And I thought about that. I was like, eh, but Caleb still has much more to prove. Br- Bryce went out and proved it, and with probably the – like not worst, but like the least impressive amount of surrounding talent at Bama that he's had in in a while. I would I would think. I mean, Mechie and Williams aren't exactly you know rugs and and, and Devante, uh, but uh, I, I felt good about that one. Um, Hooker is interesting to me because I do think he's pretty talented. I thought he was underrated at Virginia Tech, and 
yet he does play in that sort of Bryles uh, tree offense. So are you spending a top pick on on that? If I'm the NFL, probably not. But in college, That's not us. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was you know, extremely protective of the football. Um, I was really impressed with Brennan Armstrong last year. I thought they put an absolute ton on him, and I think he does have a pretty quick release and a decent velo on on the ball. Virginia just ran a ton of stuff. It reminded me almost like what remember back when the Rams when they had uh, Marshall Falk and those guys like how are they running all these informations and all these different plays and UVA was able to run a ton of stuff and I was pretty impressed by his his ability to handle that and then Grayson McCall is just I think a really good player and uh, I had just seen Coastal staff down there at FSU satellite camp and so Grayson was kind of top of mind. Um, at one two three four five six. I had all my picks in my in my own personal top ten, but like almost everybody I listed got picked. So I think it was fairly on brand with the consensus. I guess uh, I I Are probably could have waited another round to get get Armstrong. Are you grateful that Coca didn't give you Bennett? Yeah, I mean it would have been like for, for the likes, it would have been great. It would have been hilarious. Yeah, to to get Stetson <laughs> Bennett out here. So the this has been an interesting change that's even happened since Monday because on Monday's show, you know I. We mentioned coaching change, offensive coordinator change. Is Brendan Armstrong going to still be able to go out and put up the kind of numbers that he did last season with you know Tony Elliott stepping in there? But then in doing the preparation for this show, I mean, unless my wires got crossed, and I, I don't think I'm giving any like too many hints here, but aren't our top passing targets for Virginia still there at Virginia? It makes mm-hmm. it now one of the most interesting things to consider, obviously, from our quarterback draft. It's where we start. But looking at Virginia and Virginia's offense and our expectations, yes, we are changing the coach. Yes, we are changing the coordinator. I don't think we're going to have that same sort of unique offense, which was so much fun to watch and obviously very productive in the passing attack. But the dudes, the the pieces and the tools, like it's still there for those players to have the same kind of production. Now I might've adjusted my grade on a Keaton Thompson or a Dontavion Wicks based on the same reasons why I adjusted my grade on Brennan Thompson, but it it's, it's something that it was, uh, it was good for me to learn just as we continue to move forward, looking at what to expect with Virginia in year one under Tony Elliott. So uh, the one important thing about UVA, and I agree with you, I, I made my, I went, I went 25 guys deep today just just so we'll have something to discuss when we do our snubs next episode, kind of do, doing the pre-work. UVA uh, lost everybody on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody. So that's kind of an issue, right? Um, Including their all-ACC center who's now at Michigan. All five. And they had, I think, the best offensive line in the ACC last year. Which then powers everything, which allows you to be able to to get it all up and rolling. I mean, you know, like UVA smart kids, they can hand, they could handle the, uh, um, the the complex and complicated issues. All right, so as we've been continuing to get some some feedback here, um, a name that we did not mention at all, I don't think, uh, was Jaron Hall from BYU. Now, Jar- Jaron Hall f- from BYU had an awesome season, exceeding expectations when I think that there was a belief on the outside that the quarterback play for the Cougars was going to uh, take a big step back after having Zach Wilson. And it was a, an offense that I do think was leaning on the running back position a lot and got incredible production in the run game because of it. 
But Jaron Hall, in terms of you know his efficiency, in terms of his ability to take care of the ball, still still a very impressive year. And now that Tyler Alligier is gone, is this potentially a, a breakout uh, spot for Jaron Hall in 2022? And you know, if you were to you know, regrade it or take a second look at it, do you think that he ends up cracking a top 15, or is he definitely in that top 20 for you personally? He he could be. I didn't really consider him for my draft. He wasn't on my board simply because, like he, he, like you said, he was efficient last year. But if you just look at his raw overall numbers compared to the guys we drafted, they weren't really close. Like he only threw for just under twenty six hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, five interceptions. These are all great for efficiency wise, as far as the touchdown to interceptions, the yards per attempt at eight point seven was perfectly solid. It's just it wasn't there wasn't the volume so maybe if that volume comes this season yeah he could be the guy that will be looking back like oh man i wish i drafted him in the fourth third or fourth round to get him on my team for those numbers but i don't think it's a tremendous snub by any stretch no yeah i i thought he was very effective and i do think i would probably consider him as a fourth round selection um in that you know four round four person draft if we had to do it again but to tom's point the top two backs on BYU last year had 540 touches. Mm-hmm. So those guys, you know, Tyson Algier and, and Chris Brooks, the, the kid who transferred over from Cal, uh, were doing like the vast majority of the work on that team. Like he didn't even throw the ball 300 times. So I'll be interested to see if they do have to lean on him more from a passing perspective, will his efficiency uh, maintain if he's throwing it, you know, 400 times, not 290. Also, you had to remember too, like, Zach Wilson put up those numbers under a different offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Jeff Grimes left and went to Baylor. That That's a new person calling plays there with Jaron Hall. So even with those guys gone, BYU could still be a team that's kind of leaning on its run game more this, this year, not going to be throwing like they were with Zach Wilson during the COVID season. So social media, email, what other names uh, stand out in terms of uh, some feedback with names either that were drafted too high, drafted too low, or not drafted at all? Well, I have one. Because there was one person that said that, like, is 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 a Kentucky fan upset with us for not taking Will Levis, but taking Malik Cunningham, and I can't remember exactly what the tweet said, but it was basically like there's there's a clear media bias against Kentucky, and now we're a part of it. I would just like to compare some numbers of Malik Cunningham and Will Levis, who this person maintains had the same exact season last year. Uh, passing efficiency close. Malik Cunningham was 150.4, Levis 148. So not really a difference. Levis did have him on the completion rate, 66 to 62. Give him that. Yards per attempt, Cunningham 8.73, Levis 7.97. Yards per completion, Cunningham 14.07, Levis 12.07. Air yards per attempt, Cunningham 10.02, Levis 8.97. Yak per completion, yards after the catch. What kind of throws are you making to get your guys time to run the ball afterwards? And Cunningham didn't have Wandale Robinson, but he still led that with 6.15 to Levis's 5.65. Touchdown rate, Levis was better, 6.8%. Cunningham was only 5.6%. Difference was interceptions. Cunningham's 1.8%. Levis, more than twice as much at 3.7%. So, of course, Cunningham also has the much better touchdown-to-interception ratio of 3.17 compared to Levis's 1.85. But then this person also mentioned how they're both mobile quarterbacks. That's true. Malik Cunningham rushed for over a thousand yards last year. Yeah. Will Levis yeah. rushed for 376. So they are both mobile, but they are not mobile in the same way, my friend. So it's not a conspiracy. If we're drafting strictly on the numbers we think we're going to put up, Cunningham was the right choice. 
I, I completely agree. I'm a little surprised nobody took him in the fourth round as just a flyer because I think we would all agree, like physical talent wise, even though I think these early mock drafts are generally trash, right? And having seen some of these kids in person who are being mocked in the first round, I'm like, okay, these guys have never seen these dudes in person and they will in about 12 months. Um, will Levis does have incredible physical talent. Like he is on the list of dudes who could, who could make us look stupid. Not really sure they will. I mean, that's a lot of picks he's got to cut down on. Will Levis does a lot of YOLO ball and it seems like he almost predetermined he was going to throw the ball, which was generally Wandell Robinson or deep shot uh, quite often. And sometimes the defense seemed to know that. But he was definitely one of the guys uh, who could make us look dumb for not taking him. But based on his current performance, he does not belong on that list. He's a good quarterback. Yes. Like that's, that's the other thing is we find ourselves, especially at this point in the season, uh, reacting to the market value or the market price, in which case we are saying, okay, if you're going to say number one overall, if you're going to say number one quarterback in this draft class, then you are entirely not basing it on the evidence that we have seen in college football. Like if it, if, if he has an explosive season and lives up to all that hype, that is awesome for Will Levis. He is a, he's a worthy power five starting quarterback and kind of like my line for the power five coach rankings. If you are a power five coach, you're, you're good in the industry. You're, you, you have some level of success, uh, some value, some worth that allows you to even be in that position. Will Levis, the starting quarterback at Kentucky in the SEC, like you are very good quarterback compared to all of the quarterbacks in college football. But number one, among all these guys that we just had, I, was, I, I feel okay with us not having him in our 16-player uh 16 player quarterback draft. Yeah, there are 130 or 131 now teams in the country, and there are 65 power five teams if you include Notre Dame. We only drafted 16. So there's going to be dudes left out. <laughs> yeah, come on. Anthony Richardson is another one I want to bring up here. Um, I did have him on my list. I had him 15th. And that's even with, like, I know some guys on Florida's prior staff, and they are like still extremely high on him long term. But short term, just some of the conversations I had, I'm I'm not really sure that he is somebody who's going to absolutely break out this year immediately. Now he did have two injuries last year. If he can stop dancing a little bit, remember he was doing the was a hotel TikTok dancing in, in the lobby mm-hmm. or whatever, and then he you know had had the tweak. We've um, all been there. Like six touchdowns, five interceptions. He obviously is very athletic as well. Has a cannon for an arm. Uh, I do trust Billy Napier with mobile quarterbacks, given what he did with Levi Lewis there at ULL. But I don't think it's a major snub for a guy who completed less than 60% of his passes last year, six to five touchdown interception ratio. Um, just it, it's a big leap. It's, it's a bet on the talent, but he's kind of raw. So long term, I'm still there. I fully expect to be picking him in next year's draft. I just don't. I don't buy the the snub thing yet, but he's got the talent to make us look dumb if he arrives like a year early, for sure. Yeah, and a couple other snubs who we we did mention a little bit on the show. Um, KJ Jefferson, I think, is a good fit for what Arkansas was doing, but a lot of those yards were yak from Traylon Burks, who's no longer there. So I do have some concerns if he's going to be able to put up the same kind of numbers this year without him. And then we mentioned Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, he might have a great year. He might finally live up kind of to the billing that he had coming out of high school and be in an offense and not have that kind of spotlight and pressure on him. And maybe he just relaxes and plays very well. Stetson Bennett, 
I genuinely, like people think I'm doing a bit. I genuinely like Stetson Bennett. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be that guy. But as far as college quarterbacks go, I think Stetson is a perfectly good quarterback. In fact, I think he's good enough to win a national title. I just don't think he's going to have the kind of numbers compared to the people we were drafting. So if this is at the end of the year, we're trying to, you know, like a t- like the numbers are going to play a part, team success, all that stuff. Stetson's going to be a drag on your numbers. Like if this, this was a roto baseball league, Stetson's like drafting a guy who, you know, maybe he hits 300, but he's only got five home runs and it's going to kill your home run stat. He's like the Stephen Kwan. Of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of mm-hmm. quarterbacks. That's a deep cut. Deep, deep cut. Hey, I'm glad you said that because I just realized that is the best line. When we, we start getting hit up on oh, take, doing radio hits all across the country, and I, I think I'm going to say, and Stetson Bennett, a quarterback that's good enough to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. True statement. He's good enough to win a national championship. Yeah. Doesn't I'm, seem to connect in the traditional sense, but he's good enough to win a national championship. I'm not doing a bit. I genuinely like him. All right. Uh, so... As we turn our attention now to the next level, the pass catchers draft, uh, draft order. Bud at one, Chip at two, Tom at three, Danny at four. I had to put Chip and Danny apart from each other just to keep this some integrity. And I wasn't going to give myself number one, and I wasn't going to give Danny number one because he's not even here. So uh, congratulations, Bud. You are in the number one spot. Who will you be taking with the first pick of the 2022 cover three pass catchers draft. Uh, this is sometimes where, where draft order does matter, I think. And uh, for this, I am taking the guy that I had number one with a bullet. And I'm not going to lie. I had like five guys that I would consider for number two. So same. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm, who your I'm, number one is, but same uh, as yeah. number two. <laughs> All right. So this is the guy who set a Rose Bowl record for catches and yards and touchdowns and just absolutely pure dominance. Uh, he's been freaky. Ever since high school, started out uh, as kind of a lower-rated receiver and then continued to just dominate his senior year of high school, has just crushed it through two years so far at Ohio State. Ohio State lost two first-round draft picks at the receiver position, and yet I think a lot of people will tell you that their best receiver on the team was actually this guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he's freaky. He's the number one player on the number one offense in the country. In my mind, uh, I don't think he's going to win the Heisman because it's just very, very hard for receivers to win the Heisman in a year where you have top quarterbacks. But, uh, I mean, the ability to go up and get it, the ability to make guys miss in space, quality route runner, tough. He's a volume dude with explosive potential. Yeah. I I don't know how much time we need to spend. I guess let me ask you this, guys. Did anybody anybody not have Jackson Smith Jigba as the top receiver on their board? No, I think – yeah, I think it's um, more interesting that I had a top two, and it sounds like y'all have five guys for two. So this is about to get very interesting as, as things continue. But did you see uh, Ricky jumped in even before the show started just, just to make sure that some of this uh, got out there? So the college football record for receiving yards in a season is 2,090. If Ohio State makes the national championship game in 2021, it means Jackson Smith and Jigba needs to average – 139.3 yards per game to beat it. He averaged 123 in the same lineup with two first-round draft picks. So can he average 139? Possibly. He'll probably need to go off again, but he didn't just do it with 347 in the Rose Bowl. He also had 15 catches for 240 yards against Nebraska during the season. See. That's going to be a tough record to break because the one thing that I think makes CJ Stroud appealing to NFL teams 
is that he's not he's not zeroing in on one guy. Now, part of that is obviously like the fact, you know, he had Garrett Wilson, he had, you know, like Chris Olave, he had a bunch of options in that offense and he's going to have a bunch of options again this year. But I think CJ Stroud spreads the ball around too much, which isn't to say JSN's not going to have huge games like he did in the Rose Bowl or what he did against Nebraska, like depending on how the defense is playing. But I think from week to week, it's going to be hard for him to be averaging that kind of output every week. Um, the one stat I really like with, and there's a lot of good good ones to pick, but I'm, I'm going to go with one that Ricky did not have. Uh, so I sorted these uh, for games before they were into garbage time and against Power 5 teams only. Jackson Smith Jigba, Ohio State offensive success rate when targeting him was 72%. <laughs> that's, like, that's like healthy prime Shaq, right? Just give him the ball. <laughs> Get out of the way. That like the next closest guy who had far less volume was 68%. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be four percentage points higher than the number two guy in the country in a stat like that is is crazy. I mean, Jamison Williams felt like he got open all the time. Wondell Robinson was like, like a heavy volume guy, too. They were at 55% each. JSN's up there at 72. That, that's just kind of nuts. So th- this was the uh, another uh, piece of Ricky's argument. He's also likely to return punts. So what do you think about the Jackson Smith and Jigba Heisman Trophy odds? I do not remember what I got it at, but I already have a future out on it. Yes. Oh, well, they, they had some 40 and some 60, I think, earlier on. I think I got like 50. Tom I'll endorses. I'll check afterwards, but yeah, no, I'm on it. Yeah. Would you let him return punts if you're Ryan yes. Day in, no. in all games? No. Yeah, I agree. When I like, need it. If I'm in trouble and I need it, then yes, but no. <laughs> Correct. Especially because, yeah. like, I'm Ohio State. You know how many dudes I have who could return punts on my team sitting there? Come on. on. That's fair. <laughs> uh, okay, that brings it to Jackson Smith and Jigbo, Ohio State. You are the first pick in the pass catcher draft. No doubt. Sounds like he was number one on uh, pretty much everyone's big board except for Danny Cannell. But, so, oh, I need to know. Who, oh, we might find I, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his um, – so my number two overall uh, is Jordan Addison, the reigning Bolitnikoff winner who transferred from Pitt to USC in one of the most high-profile and much-publicized transfers right before the, the deadline to be able to get in on this group and be a part of this much-hyped USC team. The what I love about Jordan Addison, selfishly, is that longtime Cover 3 listeners have heard Barton Simmons first talking about Jordan Addison coming into his freshman year, which probably means that, Bud, you also got a beat on him with the way that he was coming out of high school, with the kind of competitor he was, with the way that he handled his business. Um, he was able to, I think, fit into that pit culture and obviously become a huge part of Kenny Pickett becoming a Heisman Trophy finalist of that passing attack leading pit to an, an ACC championship and to a New Year's Six Bowl appearance. He is so much fun to watch. He has carried such a heavy load. Uh, great after the catch, great route running. And I mean, when, when you're talking about last year's player who was named the best wide receiver in the sport as the Blitnikoff winner, I, I don't feel like it's a stretch to look at him, especially when we are removing him from Kenny Pickett-less pit, from Mark Whipple-less pit, and you are putting him with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and a ton of other dudes within the context of that offense. Uh, I feel pretty good taking Jordan Addison as, the, uh, as my first-round pick. 
no argument there. I, I remember talking to Shaki uh, Jacques Louis, who uh, was you know one of pitch receivers. I knew him pretty well in high school, and he was like, "Yeah, this Addison guy is, is a dude." He was a two way guy in high school, by the way. We, we actually ranked him as an athlete uh, as opposed to just strictly a receiver, and then. He really came on with those receiving skills. Pitt developed him well, and uh, now USC is the beneficiary. Yeah, he was a DB too, right? Yeah. Probably would have been a really good DB. <laughs> Probably would have yeah. led the country to interceptions with those hands. Yeah, no, I think that's a good pick. But you know what, Chip? It wasn't at number two on my board. Ooh. Ooh. The guy I had at number two on my board will now be going with the third pick of the draft. Now, like this is the first round, so... Odds are we're going to be picking guys who led their team in receiving last year, which, you know, Jackson Smith and Jig. But I don't know if he, he he did lead the team in receiving, I think. But either way, best receiver on the team, even though they had two first-round picks. Jordan Addison clearly led Pitt in receiving last year. But the guy I'm taking led his team in receiving, but he did something a little extra. He did it while only playing in half their games. I'm taking Kayshawn Butte. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I... He missed a lot half the season last year because of injury. So he finished with 38 catches for 508 yards and nine touchdowns, which are pretty pedestrian numbers, but they were good enough to lead LSU as far as yards and receptions are concerned. And I just think that this is a guy who's going to be the latest in a long line that we've seen in recent years of LSU receivers who, if he stays healthy, is going to have a great season and is going to end up being an early NFL draft pick, probably a first rounder. He doesn't have the size of Jamar Chase, but I feel like he's got a lot of the same intangibles. I think he's kind of a blend of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, not quite to their level, so don't take it that way, but I think that he's a very good player. I think that this is Brian Kelly with this new offense and Mike Denbrock. They're going to find ways to get him the ball. I'm hoping he stays healthy. I'm hoping he stays in the field, and if he does, this is going to be a great pick for me. I mean, he's really, really talented, man. I, I thought he was probably the best receiver that we had at the Under Armour All-America game when I was there in Orlando two years ago. Um, if he can just stay healthy, think about all the dysfunction on that LSU offense last mm-hmm. year. And he still, like you said, let him in receiving, playing six games. Uh, he, he can scoot. That, that, yeah, I, I had him. As, this draft is going exactly to form so far. I, Plus I, I had him as my number three. He's just got such a fun name to say. <laughs> well, it was his emergence was like one of the few um, happy things you could look at coming out of LSU in the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, his dad comes out and says, "You know what? Like I'm." I'm going to play. And then Jamar Chase was like, I- I'm not going to play. Then Terrace Marshall gets out there for a couple weeks and he's like, mm, I- I'm not going to play either. And it just opened up all this opportunity and he just stepped through and, and emerged. And as you mentioned, he wasn't able to stay healthy last season, which was a huge disappointment. But man, uh, phenomenal player. I had him at number four. So not exactly, Hater. not exactly going uh, at the big board, but at least uh, something similar. Okay, now let's open up the sealed envelope. Is- Yep. Is Danny's number one receiver still on the board? No. So it was Jordan Addison. Yeah, yeah. He had Jordan yeah. Addison one. He had Jackson Smith and Jigba two. He had Kayshawn Butte three. And with the fourth pick, Danny Cannell is going to be going with Josh Downs from the University of North Carolina. Damn it. ACC, ACC boys. What? He took he took Devin Leary and Tyler Van Dyke on the turn in the quarterback draft, and now he's just lining them up with Josh Downs, who was a, a one-man wrecking crew when it comes to the North Carolina pass attack last year. Of course, you lose multiple 
1,000 yard receivers and Daz Newsom and Deami Brown. It gets a little bit difficult, but Downs was there and he was ready to to answer the call. Downs again is going to be that one player who every single uh, ACC defense is going to be worried about stopping uh, in terms of the big play. So I'm I'm not surprised to see him high on the draft board. It's a little bit higher than uh, I think that I had him, but I'm I'm not going to argue with the pick at all because he's one of one of the best uh, wide receivers in uh, in the ACC without a doubt. I had him at six, but I had him at eight. Are you, do you feel low on that? Like, no, I just feel like like there's a big big group of guys that were. Tier like, two like really, is very, yeah. Yeah. Tier two is very, very crowded. Just, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, we probably talk about this more at the end of the show, but I don't know how you guys are like just putting this board together for me was a lot more difficult than the quarterbacks. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like there are so many decent options and trying to pare the list down to like 16 to 20 guys I feel like I'm comfortable taking in this draft was really difficult. Um, all right. So then since Danny is again on the turn with his first pick of the second round, he takes the player that I had number three overall, which is Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Someone who, staying at Oklahoma, woo-wee, that was a huge deal. There's another player who might have his name called who left Oklahoma from that wide receiving core. Marvin Mims stuck around, and that is great for Brent Venables. That is great for offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, and that is fantastic for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he he battles for balls. He seems to play bigger than he actually is. Good skills and uh, can be really, really productive. I'm, a, I'm just a big fan of his game probably more than anything. Uh, where did Mims fall on y'all's board? I had him at 11th. Yeah, 11th. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> is, it, is it the production then? Uh, he's really good. Yeah, no, he's, he's a very good player. There's just other guys I prefer a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And also, like, you know, he stayed at Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel, he's got a new quarterback, going to have a you know, new offense he's in. There's there's just some kind of, like, again, I think he's a really good player, so it's probably not going to matter too much. He's going to be a good player. But there are just some concerns with that that I don't have with a couple other guys that I had ahead of him. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this. I'm I'm being I'm being producer Coca, and I'm being Danny, and I'm being Chip. So if if the feed somehow like switches out, Tom, you're up on the clock next. But let's see if we can pull this up without the screen going blue. All right, can we see this? Yes. Can everybody see yes. it. All right. So that is uh, where we're at right now. We've got Jackson Smith and Jigba has was taken uh, first overall. Uh, Jordan Addison taken second by Chip. Tom takes Kayshawn Butte from LSU. And Danny at the turn takes Josh Downs from North Carolina and Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. That brings us back to Tom. Where are you going with your second round pick? All right. Um, this is kind of a tough one because I thought this other guy would be gone by the time it got back to me. But now he's still there. But there's somebody that I have just below him on my board that I kind of want more. So I'm deciding whether I want to go off the board or if I just want to go with personal tastes. And I'm going to go with personal tastes. We haven't taken one yet. Give no. me Brock Bowers. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, no. I just, I mean, I need, I want a tight end. The offense I'm going to run, I need a tight end. Brock Bowers is going to be that kind of guy for me. He can go up in the slot. He can stay in line if he has to. And just, you know, like we didn't take sets and And as I said, it's not a bit. 
I like Stetson Bennett. And the perfect fit for Stetson Bennett and what Stetson Bennett is good at is Brock Bowers up the seams over the middle between the numbers. He's going to put up a great season. He's probably going to be the leading receiver on Georgia. And I know it gets, you know, like another guy who might get drafted later left. But there's still some pretty good receiving talent on that roster. But I still think Bowers is just kind of like a matchup nightmare for everybody. Like, I don't know if there's a defense out there that has somebody that can cover Brock Bowers. It's kind of a Gronkowski situation. So that's who I'm taking. It's I'm just so impressed. Them. No, go ahead, Jeff. It's definitely a Gronkowski situation. I mean, the dude has been an absolute monster when given a heavy workload. And I absolutely expect that that development is going to continue and he is going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the number one tight end in college football. And it's going to be the perfect, like as that Georgia offensive line is just mowing down opposing defensive fronts, you're going to be so concerned with filling the gaps. How in the world are you going to have a thick body that's going to be able to bring down Brock Bowers in the open field? You're not. He's going to box you out and run over you. I just, yeah, fantastic pick. I was going to go with him next and um, frustrated that, uh, that that's the case. I had a number four because he has to catch passes from Stetson Bennett. And he still does all that stuff. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm just so impressed. I'm wondering now if the guy I have at number four is going to sneak back to me, but we'll see. Oh, no, and now it's a run because Chip's up next, and I'm, I think that we've got a, a tier where we're about to jump, so I'm going to go ahead and, and take uh, – I'm going to go ahead and take my tight end. I One year when we did this, we might have done six rounds, which was a little heavy, a long episode, and I think I ended up with three tight ends, so I knew that I wanted to at least get some uh, some inline representation. So I'm, I'm going to go to South Bend, I'm going to go to Notre Dame, and I'm going to get Michael Meyer. Um, what He – would be, you know, our our number one tight end in college football, if not for Brock Bowers' emergence on the scene last year. He's played a little bit longer. We know how Tommy Reese and that Notre Dame offense like to utilize the tight ends. The tight ends have been some of the most productive and some of the most effective uh, position, one of the most effective positions in the Notre Dame passing attack for a couple years now, and he's awesome. So uh, I'm going to go with Michael Meyer uh, from Notre Dame. I do love Michael Meyer as well. He's, I think, you know, if you're comparing the two, I think Bowers is more the monster type, but I do think Meyer, I mean, he's big, he's tall, he's long. And I think Meyer's a bigger problem after the catch than Bowers. Like Meyer, Meyer can get out in the open field and run by people, which is pretty nice to have. Yeah, he's a good blocker too, mm-hmm. relatively. Yep. All right, so um, I'm disappointed these tight ends went because I, I was really interested in jumping my own board and, and going up there and get Michael Meyer, but Chip, I, I just... <laughs> Had the same idea. <laughs> yeah, my, my whole feeling on this draft uh, still feels great because I got Jackson Smith and Jacob. However, uh, I, I would have felt a little bit better, but I, I'm, I'm going to adjust here, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and go to the state of Texas where we had a guy last year who was a true freshman. This will hurt for Michigan fans, and he's one of the absolute fastest players in the country and he's got legit height and he's putting on some weight and he was already a volume guy in his true freshman Mm -hmm. season on a pretty dysfunctional Texas Longhorns team, 103 targets, 62 catches, 981, 12 touchdowns. Xavier worthy four on my board. Yep. (laughs) Xavier worthy. Welcome to team bud. Now I have Xavier worthy and Jack Smith, the Jigba. I'm very, if, if you, uh, 
if you have ways to cover them, you probably have NFL <laughs> players. In that case, send those to compliance at oldmiss.edu. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's who I'm going with. I, I feel like like Xavier Worthy. I, I can't let him drop into the third round. Yeah, that's who I was debating between with Bowers. It's just oh, Butte and, and Worthy would have been a hell of a one-two. Yeah, I had yeah. Worthy number five on my big board and jumped him so that we could just get in on the big boys here in the first two rounds. All right, we're did gonna- we all have him five? Yeah, I had him four. Wow. Okay, I had him. I had uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Marvin Mims, Kayshawn Butte, Xavier Worthy. It's my top five. Bowers at six, uh, Mayor at seven. Yeah, I had JSN Butte, Addison Worthy. All right, let's call this up one more time before we hit the break to review the first half of the draft. Bud, two picks in, has Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, Xavier Worthy from Texas. I've got Jordan Addison from USC, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Uh, Kate Tom's got Kayshawn Butte from LSU and Brock Bowers from Georgia. And Danny's got Josh Downs from North Carolina and Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Coming up on the other side, the second half, rounds three and four of our 2022 Cover 3 Pass Catchers Draft. Next The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, bud, you are on the turn. So round three, get us started. All right, so I have my ex. Um, I've got my slot. I can actually play Jackson in the slot as well. I feel like, you know, Worthy's a nice Z. But but I need somebody who's really big and can go up and get the ball. And another dude who's got a lot of volume. I need a guy who's good in the red zone. I can't take a tight end here because I just don't think there's a number three tight end in the country who's worthy of going, you know, at the number nine overall pick. So I'm going to go to Wake Forest. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger here and take A.T. Perry, uh, who is – 6'5", 212, going to be an NFL draft guy, I think. Uh, just crazy volume last year. 132 targets, 1,293 yards, like 15 that. tutties. Yeah. Uh, yards per target, 10. A.T. Perry, welcome to Team Bud. 
also still has Sam Hartman. Yeah. Right. I mean, like we want to talk about what our expectations are for AT Perry this fall. Well, I, he might not match those incredible numbers that you just listed off, but he is absolutely uh, still going to be productive within the context of that Wake Forest offense where, you know, against against the teams that don't have the dudes, they're just going to mash you and they're just going to run it up. It's going to be because Wake also has like a defense that can give up points. So there's no letting it up, right? This is not a, an offense that goes into a game thinking, uh, you know, once once we get a big lead, we can sit on this. They're, they're going to have to continue to keep chucking it around the yard uh, all throughout the, at least all of these conference games. Uh, I, I absolutely love the pick right there with A.T. Perry. Were you going to take him next before, before, before he got back to me? Like he would not be there at pick 15, right? He would not have been there for you with your – yeah, uh, yeah. So I had without, to jump. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm thinking about breaking my board, but I'm gonna. Break it. No, 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 no. I can because there's just so many fun names. I mean, do I go get another tight end? Do I just go just admittedly jump to the tier two tight ends just so I can load up and have uh, double tight end sets in our four round draft? No, no, no. I'll I'll stick to the board, and I'll I'll take someone that is going to have expectations for a big jump in production. Those are expectations based on the kind of offense that this player came from, the kind of offense that he's arriving at, the changing quarterback from his old team to his new team, and a little bit of a track record of how players can come and have an instant impact, especially in the wide receiver room from the transfer portal. I'm going to take Jermaine Burton, uh, Alabama. Yeah. Was it, was it tempting to go get another tight end? Absolutely. But that would have been too much. Would have been doing a little bit too much, Chip. We got to just stick to this board where we know that Jermaine Burton has the the raw talent and the skills to be able to be more productive than he has been at Georgia. And that is one of the reasons he left to be able to get a few more looks, to get a few more balls and play in something that's going to give him a few more opportunities. Bryce Young's going to give them to him. So I, I like what the outlook is for Jermaine Burton at the wide receiver per, position with the Crimson Tide. Yeah, the things Burton does well just don't mesh with the quarterbacks he was playing under at Georgia. That that includes also um whatchamacallit? Whose name Daniels. Is it? Yeah, it was not even Daniels, but what's his name before it? Oh, um he, Jacob not, Eason. Fromm. Jake Fromm. Oh, Jake Fromm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's because the, the Georgia's got this thing where they've got a lot of QBs who are great over the middle between the numbers. <laughs> they don't have a bunch of guys who are getting the ball outside the hash marks, which is where I think Jermaine Burton probably will excel. That could change, by the way. We we should get our Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning uh, mention in here just, <laughs> just for SEO purposes. Arch Manning, Georgia. Arch Manning, Georgia. Arch Manning commitment. Arch Manning commitment scoop. Arch Manning commitment announcement. You know, some, something along those lines. So, uh, so RTR, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take Jermaine Burton as my third round pick uh, to go with Jordan Addison and Michael Mayer. All right, Tom. Pick. All right, so uh, I'm going to do a little game theory here because I've got one of these guys higher on my board, but I think there's a far greater chance that Danny will take them than the other one. So. I'm going to go with Mario Williams, who I feel like, you know, he was, he wasn't Oklahoma's leading receiver last year, but he's transferred to USC. I think he's going to be kind of slotting in as the guy there. 
So he's probably going to have a big season for Lincoln Riley. He's familiar with the offense, so he knows all that stuff already. And I just think that he's going to put up numbers. And I was, yeah, I, I don't think I need to go too much further on that. It's interesting because Mario Williams was one of the first ones in. Then they go and get, and Brendan Rice is not going to jump ahead of Mario Williams. I'm sorry, he's not, yeah, Jordan Addison's there too, but I just think Mario Williams is going to have a big season. I, I agree. And, and based on our expectations for USC's defense, uh, we might have another Wake Forest situation on our hands. Like, this is going to be an offense. This is going to continue to chuck it around and need to score a bunch of points to make sure that the Trojans are coming out on the winning side. Um, yeah, no, no real arguments here. Let's see, where did Mario Williams... I had him as the next best available right behind A.T. Perry. And now we get to a very interesting point of the board uh, so far. But that's not for my board. Now let's open up the envelope. So Danny says, and, and he sent strategy too. Um, nice. Yeah, he's he, for his strategy and his game plan, he wants to jump to the tight end for his fourth round pick. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But first we'll go with his next best available uh, wide receiver, which, shout out producer Jordan, hails from Tennessee. We're going to go with Cedric Tillman. Damn it. A player who was uh, very, very productive with with Hendon Hooker in Josh Heupel's Tennessee offense. Um, kind of the exactly the kind of player that you want to be able to spot, hit big plays, uh, to be able to create big plays even after the catch. So uh, Cedric Tillman will be Danny's third round pick. That's a great pick. So that stat I read off for Jackson, right, with the 72% success rate, you know, number two in the whole country was Cedric was Tillman. Yeah, he's Cedric at the sixty-eight. Tillman. He was number. He was the guy with the sixty-eight percent. Yeah, Cedric Tillman. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's same with the Hendon Hooker argument. The offense caters to the quarterback. The offense caters to this wide receiver skill set. But we're not breaking down NFL draft tape and trying to put them in a foreign system. We are giving you our analysis based on what we think they are going to do this fall. I don't see anything different happening for Cedric Tillman. So he was on my board as well. A couple names between them. But uh, anyway, so Danny will turn this into his fourth round pick, his final pick, according to his strategy, again, will come into the tight ends. He's lost Michael Mayer, his TE1. Uh, he's lost Brock Bowers, his TE2. But his TE3, Cameron Latu from Alabama, is still on the board. So that will be his uh, fourth round pick, closing him out with Josh Downs, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, and Cameron Latu, tight end from Alabama. That too is definitely, I think, speculative. End of the season. Uh, that yeah, was he kind of came on late in the year, like especially in the title game with you know. So I think that that's that's a pretty good like kind of flyer to take in your fourth round pick if you want a tight end. I had him ahead of Tillman, behind Mario Williams, and it was speculative where I was using the way that he was relied on in the absence of injuries to Jameson Williams and John Meshie, and in the absence of one of those younger Alabama players being able to step up and really seize the opportunity. It kind of seemed like against, you know, Georgia, Cincinnati, Georgia, that he was someone, one of the few players that Bryce young and that uh, Alabama offensive staff really trusted uh, to be able to go out and make the play. So speculative for sure, but the late season sample size while small definitely has me understanding that pick. 
I, I get the pick. I I don't love like the other tight ends after the top two. Like, like I don't I I'm probably gonna run for a wide. Oh, so yeah, you, but I was thinking too. I would take a receiver over pass. a tight end. Yeah. I'm wondering point, if like, Danny, I thought there were two. Yeah. I'm wondering if Danny would have reconsidered if he was oh, here. If he, but he's not. So he's not. Sorry. All right. <laughs> he does have some uh, some good names left on the board. So that where brings was, us wait, go ahead. Just for my own where was Mario Williams on his board? Behind uh so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 11 behind Xavier Worthy, two players who have not been drafted Cedric Tillman, AT Perry, Marvin Mims, Josh Down, and then the top of the board. So, if he wasn't doing the tight end strategy, there's a good chance Mario Williams would have been his fourth round pick. Well, there were two players that have not been drafted who oh, were still after ahead Cedric of him? Tillman that were still ahead of Mario oh, Williams. Oh, okay. So, never mind then. Uh, I see that's why I took Mario Williams because I thought Williams would be higher on Danny's list. Um, all right. Well, I'll take the guy I was. I had higher than Mario Williams on my board, who is also a speculative pick, who doesn't have great numbers yet, but will probably start putting them up this year as he steps into a bigger role. His father was good. He's pretty good, too. Give me Marvin Harrison Jr. Damn it. Don't know him. I've never heard of him. I didn't never see heard him. Of him. <laughs> I didn't see anything. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, from Ohio State. Rounding out Tom's uh, pick, so you've still this is this is an interesting uh, point of discussion though. You still have a Mecca Buka, right? Mm-hmm. And you still have Julian Fleming. Mm-hmm. We are power ranking them according to this draft with Jackson Smith and Jigba as an unquestioned one, and Marvin Harrison Jr. as the number two. And I'm not like I I like the pick, Tom. I don't have a good read of who of those other three I would necessarily put out front. How, how do you see that playing out for the Buckeyes? I, I think he's going to kind of step into Garrett Wilson's role. Just I feel like they're kind of similar players more than anything. But it's also just if you look like if you just look at the snaps and the production they had last year, like Ibuka had nine catches for 191 yards. He's kind of a big play threat. But Harrison played, you know, in more games. He had two more catches for 139 yards. If you go back to the Rose Bowl, he was playing a larger role in that game when they needed guys to come in for Wilson and Alave. Like Fleming, Ibuka, all these guys are going to put up numbers. It's the Ohio State offense. And like I was saying earlier, one of the things with I don't think that JSN is going to get that record is because CJ Stroud's not afraid to share the ball, move it around, and he's got plenty of options to do it with. I just think that Harrison is probably the most likely to be that number two behind JSN. Like the guy who flourishes as defenses maybe focus more on Jackson. I, I like it. I'm very disappointed Tom took Harrison Jr. there. Not, not, See, not gonna lie, that's, that's like annoying. if I just feel like if two of these guys are gonna have a thousand yards again, Harrison's more likely to do it than the others. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, so we'll do actually. I'll go ahead and get these two picks, then we'll d- bring up the board for everybody watching on YouTube.com/slash Cover Three, either live, and we appreciate uh, all the commentary in the chat, or if you're just coming back to watch it later. Sometimes I do. I'm a narcissist like that. Um, so I've already got Jordan Addison. I've got Michael Mayer, my tight end. I've got Jermaine Burton. Now I just need speed. And I, I don't need any, like, I don't need regular speed. I need track speed. I need to know that you've got the kind of speed to just jump right into collegiate track and, and, and be a stud. Start setting school records right away. Which is why I'm going with Arian Smith from the University of Georgia. Just, look, he only played in four games last season. Um, 
you know, hit a couple big plays. Was kind of a reserve, but what we've seen from him in terms of uh, you know him jumping in with the hundred meter dash, him jumping in in the four by one hundred meter relay, um, you know, goes and with that four by one hundred relay team as the leadoff man, finished second in the NCAA's outdoor with a school record time of thirty eight point five four seconds. I don't understand if thirty eight point five four seconds is good or not. I don't know track times, but I know what second place in school records mean, and that means you're really, really, <laughs> really fast. So give me poise a player who I think is poised for a breakout season after redshirting 2020 and again just four games in 2021. Arian Smith from Lakeland High School, just six foot 185 pounds. I'll I'll take Smith to round out uh and provide some nice uh track speed with my you know ball skills and, and the hand of Jordan Addison with my size and yards after catch of Michael Mayer, Jermaine Burton being able to stretch it on the outside. Arian Smith uh, comes in to give me something uh, something great uh, to provide some balance there for my wide receivers and pass catchers. So Arian Smith won me 100 bucks one time at an all-star event because there was this guy, <laughs> there was this guy from a, uh, shall we say, rival recruiting network, and uh, he was from California, and he thought this kid that he'd been talking about all day was going to win the little fastest man race. And I was like, I'll take Arian Smith over the field for, ha- for however much makes you uncomfortable. Right. And uh, so he said on 100 bucks and Aaron Smith actually was kind of challenged by the other kid who ran with, but still won. So that, that Florida speed stays undefeated. And uh, that's that's a good pick, Tom. Or Chip, excuse me. That's, yeah. So that brings us to the final pick of the fourth round. Then we will get into other notable names from our draft boards who did not get picked. Uh, Bud has already mentioned that with three wide receivers and zero tight ends, looking at the tight ends that are available, you're thinking that you might. Go four wide here. Is that going to be the case? I, you know, I really am thinking I, I, I might. Um, however, I will say this. I, there's one tight end on my board who I don't really trust, but I do trust this offense to force feed its best players. And there's just so many good receivers on the board. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and give me uh, – I'm going to take more speed. I want more home run threats. Give me Raheem Jarrett from, from Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it came down to him or Parker Washington, and I just I got a lot of dependability on this team between Smith, Jigman, Perry, and even you know Worthy's volume guy. Jarrett can really go. So I, I feel like if you're going to run four wide, you need to have explosive threats. And uh, Go ahead and give me Raheem Jarrett. Couple Maryland players. I uh, listen. Dante Demas is on. Yeah, Dante Demas was on my board. There's a couple Maryland players that could have uh, had their names called here. So uh, very interesting to see that be the case. So to review, we've got Jackson Smith and Jigba at the first overall pick. One one for Bud. Bud rounds it out with Xavier Worthy from Texas, At Perry from Wake Forest, and then Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland. Uh, Chips got Jordan Addison from USC, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Jermaine Burton from Alabama, and Arian Smith from Georgia. Tom's got Kayshawn Butte from LSU, Brock Bowers from Georgia, Mario Williams from USC, and Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. And Danny, uh, Josh Downs from North Carolina, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, and Cameron Latu from Alabama. Dante Demas uh, as 
you know, we just mentioned was definitely a, a high player on my board that did not end up getting picked. Isaiah Neor, Jaden Reed, uh, who all who stands out from the board that didn't end up hearing their name called here. Uh, Bud mentioned Parker Washington as a possibility for his last pick. I think <clears throat> that's somebody who could have a big year now that Jahan Dotson's gone. He's going to probably become the alpha of Penn State's receiving core. A tight end, like I, there were the only two tight ends I was going to take were either going to be Mayer or Bowers. But there's another tight end I would have taken over Cameron Law too if I was Danny. Sam Laporta. Trig, Sam Laporta. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because he's he led the team in receiving last year. Iowa's offense passing attack is generally built through their tight end. They've produced quite a few good tight ends. I think Laporta is kind of in that same kind of vein, and he's probably going to cut. He's not going to put up like a 1,000 yards, but he'll probably finish somewhere about 700 yards and eight touchdowns. So I feel like that would have been a good third tight end. And another guy, a sleeper, kind of homer pick, but general sleeper, uh, Isaiah Williams at Illinois. Led the team in receiving last year on a team that was pretty much allergic to throwing the ball. They've got a new offensive coordinator coming in during the spring game. You kind of got a hint of what their plans are for for Isaiah. He's going to be a bigger part of what they do on offense. He's a slot receiver. He's very, very good with the ball in his hands after the catch. Very shifty. He was a highly rated four-star, low five-star, depending on the you know service you wanted to use at the time. But he was an athlete coming out of high school, started at quarterback, moved receiver last year, put up good numbers. In his second year at this position, I think he's a kid who could show up and maybe be, you know, be one of the top receivers in the country this year. I love that one too. Um, so I'll just run down a couple on my list. Two for Virginia, uh, Keaton Thompson, yeah, who could have been like my tight end, maybe. Uh, oh yeah, we, how would you how would you classify? I mean, I guess that's why we call it the pass catchers, right? Because yeah, he, he plays four spots. Tight end. Yeah, he does lots of stuff. Um, Dontavian Wicks actually had great numbers. I just don't know if I fully trust that he's that good. Tom already said Ibuka. Michael Trigg was my number three tight end. Mm. If I decided to go tight end, like that's the guy I think that I think I, I think that uh Lane Kippen will just force feed him like crazy. And Get then in the spring game. <laughs> Ja'Cory Brooks. Like I think Ja'Cory Brooks could be Bama's best receiver this year. Like I think he has that kind of breakout potential. He was the one who uh was re- like ready to go and answered the calls, got that game-winning score against Auburn. And, uh, you know, while while Javon Baker and Ajay Hall and a bunch of other players, you know, weren't able to to really capitalize on the opportunities with the with the injuries, there, there's no doubt, um, no doubt some possibility there. Zay Flowers from Boston College, not surprised to see Danny, uh, ACC boy, give. Mm-hmm. Flowers had a phenomenal 2020, but, you know, filter COVID goes down, and the passing attack for Boston College turtled up in a, in a pretty big way. But Flowers, who uh, told ESPN's Pete Thamel that he had multiple six-figure offers to transfer away, and first thing he did was call dad. You know? Did you see that little anecdote? It was, and like Jeff Halfley's like, I'm, I'm just so proud of him for you know coming to me first when he's getting these uh, offers to transfer. And do you know what it reminded me of? It uh, it reminded me of the like, listen, listen, son. If you're at a party and there's drinking, call me and I'll come pick you up. It's like Zay Zay Flowers uh, all of a sudden found himself in a position where he felt uncomfortable, and so he called Dad to come pick him up from the party. And look, I, Phil Jakovic and Jeff Halfley and Boston College fans are very happy that Zay Flowers did not entertain these apparent six-figure offers to uh, to leave and go somewhere else. 
Uh, a couple of G5 guys from the state of Texas. We've got UTEP. We've got Jacob Cowing, who caught 69 passes for 1,367 yards, nearly 20 at yards. Arizona at Arizona now. Yeah, he's at Arizona. Sorry. Big play threat. And then also um, Houston's. Uh, what's what's the kid's name from Houston? Who's complete? Oh, Nathan Dell. That's a player who I think had a big season. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he's not going to the, back to the SEC. We've got plenty of SEC representation, but we didn't take anybody from the one SEC offense that never runs the ball. Makai Polk is probably going to catch a lot of passes. Isn't he on the Ravens? Did he get drafted or was he? Oh, he was I, I had a very high more. And I, I Googled it. I, I thought he's on, I thought he's on the Ravens. I, now. I forget the COVID year because he was just technically a sophomore last year. So I'm sitting there thinking he had to come back. But yes, you're right. Uh, I, well, Okay, yeah, I'm not crazy. He he is on the Ravens. Yeah, I was I was gonna be pissed if I if I missed him because he was I mean, definitely gonna be. Yeah, like he's not a big play guy, but he caught over a hundred passes just because he plays for Mike Leach. <laughs> um, anybody have Quentin Johnson on their list? Didn't he? He was not on my don't draft list, but he did not. When I built it out to like eighteen, you know, sixteen picks, and I, I scanned it, but I did not end up adding him to the list. Nice. I mean, it's what what what's our read on him? Because the he comes out as a freshman, he has absurd yards per catch numbers. He's clearly like a you know big play specialist, and he's still there. And what do we have? A coaching change with Sonny Dykes coming in. Like, if you want to say that there's a a big boost to your Quentin Johnson rating based on our new offense and our new head coach, I would totally agree with you. But that's still a little bit too much unknown for me to to move on on Johnston as a top 16 wide receiver for me. I think that's fair. I, I just, I don't know. When I, when I was thinking about fourth rounders, like guys, you could really explode. I mean, if he just stays healthy and the change of offense there, you got to think they're going to get better quarterback play. I would imagine just based on guys coming back who are, you know, have additional years of experience, maybe. I'm, I'm being hopeful here. But I, I think it's fair that he, did, he didn't go. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, all right. Any, any other names before we get out of here? Jordan fans in the chat are all about Arik Gilbert. I, I just think it's a little speculative for a four yeah, round draft. Too speculative for this. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna need you to like stay on the field for a little bit, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like literally, I need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not just yeah. I need to see it. I just need to see it. I need and to see him. I need not to even see him. him. I just need to see him. I just need to see him. And uh, no doubt that's uh. The, the talent and tools are there. So um, it will be interesting if he's one of the ones that makes us look a little okay. The spring game. I I didn't catch the uh, I didn't didn't catch all of the spring game, but need to see it on Saturdays in the fall. And then hey, I'll be honestly, if Gilbert has a huge season, and this is like not trying to be uh like too soft or anything, but I'll be happy for him, right? I mean, there were there was a moment. In this time period of us knowing his name and following his story, where I was like, "Oh, that I, I know how this story ends." <laughs> yeah, he winds up maybe on an NFL team in four years, and we start to think like, "Oh, like what could have been if he was, you know, going to be able to to stay on the field or stay in with the team?" So if he's able to put this together and and have a have a really solid college career, or even if it's just for a season or two, then I I will be happy that he's been able to do it and uh, that he's found a place where he's able to. So that's, that would be very cool for him. 
are we doing good numbers on this show? Because like we're, we we got the porn bots in the comments for YouTube. That, that generally means we're we're, do, we're we're charting fairly well for the the bots to pick it up. I I was able to uh, I was able to block them, but again, like that's well, I, yeah. Before I could get to the link, thanks. Yeah, like <laughs> like I I be, that was a being Danny, being Chip, and being Coca when the when the porn bots came into the chat. I was like, oh my gosh. I hope I know how to do this. And then I clicked on the link and then I said, yes, accept download to my hard drive. And you all should be getting emails from me soon. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, using the VPN. Yeah, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Buddy Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.